0: Did you want to dance in that song Let's Be Honest? That's just a catchy song, man. You should have just got up and started dancing, Zach. I just would have loved that if you would have done that. It would have been awesome. Hey, uh, before we get started, um, I, I don't know if I've asked the question multiple times before. You know, if, uh, we're, we're not a very uh, news-attentive campus, right? And so uh, a lot of people don't read the news or watch the news, but if you've been on social media or seen the news at all, uh, even just last night, um, multiple things happening over in Paris and just a lot of... Uh, Just crazy, scary stuff that's happening just to see those things that are taking place. And and we know that this world is just getting crazier and crazier, and if you are... A follower of Christ or if you read scripture that's what scripture tells us is going to happen and um, so we know things are gonna keep getting crazier but we also know the crazier things get the darker things get the greater the opportunity for a gospel to shine brightly in this world and so uh, I just wanted us to take a few minutes just to pray for Paris and just pray for the things that are happening and uh, pray for people's safety um, and just pray for the church um, to be able to shine brightly, to love on people, to encourage people, to help people in that situation, and uh, that, that God will work through the circumstance to help bring unity to his people uh, for his glory. So God, we just come to you right now, and uh, Father, our hearts are broken for so many uh, that are going through just uh, incredibly painful and, and, and horrendous situations. Uh, as I was reading the headlines last night and seeing all of the different things that happened and just reading some of the stories, God, it was just absolutely heartbreaking to see what the human condition looks like when Jesus isn't present, How, how far we can go and how devastating things can be. And Father, I just pray for that community. I pray for that city. I pray for that nation right now. Father, I pray that you just be with them. I pray that in the darkest of this hour, God, that the light and the hope of Jesus Christ will shine brightly. Father, I pray that your church will rise up in that community, that your church will rise up in that nation, and that Jesus' name will be proclaimed, that people will find hope and refuge in the person and the able person of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, Lord, that you empower your church, your leaders of the church, the pastors, the people that attend churches, the followers of Christ in Paris, God. Empower them with your Holy Spirit to bring hope. Give them words of encouragement. God help them to point to Jesus in everything that they do. and. Father, I pray that in this situation, God, that all around this world the conversations will be had where people are not discouraged and devastated and left hopeless, but that through your church and through those of us that call you Father, God, that you will help us in this moment, Lord, to show the hope and the truth of Jesus Christ and all that he did for us on the cross. God, we thank you for that. Lord, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, we are excited to be here tonight, and we do have uh, a lot of things happening in the church. Uh, Like I said, we've got our youth at a conference right now, and excited for them. Can't wait to hear all of the things that God's doing in their life. Uh, I know He's doing incredible things. It's going to take them a couple of days, I'm sure to be able to reconcile and communicate what he's doing. After you see Instagram post at 3 o'clock in the morning, their brains are going to be rattled for a couple of days, right? And uh, loud music and lots of intensity. But I believe that God's just going to be changing and transforming hearts in our students' lives. And so I uh, can't wait to see what's going to happen there. We do have several people traveling with the holidays coming up. And so uh, just pray for safety. I don't know if any of you are traveling um, here soon, but I know that's going to be happening a lot. So uh, be safe, be careful, eat a lot of turkey. Um, and take a nap before you drive after eating your turkey right so well we're gonna be jumping back into our sermon series that we have titled why and this is a series that we kicked off last week um, and uh, that we started just uh, to walk through a little bit about who we are and what we do you know I I was joking last week that why is my favorite question it's always been my favorite question Uh, it's driven my parents crazy Um, my dad is bald Uh, as soon as he was um, because of me and my... uh, need to ask why in every single thing. I can remember so many conversations of just saying why, why, why. And then God just in his wisdom blessed me with two children that love to ask the question why. But it's it's one of the most important questions that we can ask, why? Because you know uh, knowing what we do and why we do it, it it's, it's absolutely important to the things that we do. If we get to a place where we don't know why we do what we do, we can get into ruts. We can just be doing things out of habit or just doing things unintentionally But the quicker that we can see and understand the motivation behind what we do, and the sooner we discover that, the sooner we can start living intentional lives. When we kind of walk through and we just kind of do things and not really know why we do it, we're not really living intentionally we're kinda just allowing things to happen we're kinda just allowing circumstances to kinda unfold in front of us or we become reactionary to the things that are happening but if we can see why we do what we do why we respond the way that we respond to certain situations or why we uh, have certain habits or or, or or whatever it might be. You know, why your family, you know, is is you know, like why they root for a certain team or why, you know, like if you want to know why and you really start diving into that stuff, you begin to find your motivations behind that stuff and the deeper you get an understanding of what's motivating you to do what you do, you can begin to decide and see, this is good for me or this is bad for me, right? This is something I should do, this is something I shouldn't do. This is something I should give more intention to, more focused to, or this is something that I should pull back from and and move away from because our motivations, they determine our actions. And so we we ask the question why and what we're going to be doing and have been doing is just walking through why we do what we do as a church. Why we do what we do as followers of Christ, and what does that mean for us as city life at the Newport News Campus and the Williamsburg Campus? What, why do we do what we do? Because it matters, right? If you call this your church, what's the motivation behind what we do? Why, why do we do what we do, and, and should you be a part of it? That's going to help you that maybe you're looking and you're exploring, should this be my church? This question can help you to discover, man, I want to be a part of that church or I need to go find another church. The question of why a church does what it does is hugely important. Again, because I go back to it, what motivates us, what our why is, it determines our actions. Last week we talked about our why is the biggest, our why. What is our why? Our why is Jesus. Jesus is our motivation in everything. Jesus is our hope in everything. And so we walked extensively through why last week and how that impacts us and what that means for us. And so you can go back and listen to that podcast because I'm not going to rehash all of that tonight. But Jesus is our why. And so We're gonna continue for the next couple weeks and walk through some things and hit some stuff. And so tonight I'm gonna be talking a little bit about everything. So um, so that's what we're gonna be talking about. So get prepared, get ready. We're gonna be talking about everything, all right? So everything's on the table. So that's what we're gonna be talking about here a little bit, it'll make sense in just a second. But um, we're we're gonna be talking about that next week. We're gonna be talking about obedience. And then the week after that, Pastor Fred's gonna be here and he's gonna be talking to you guys about um, why we have a teaching pulpit here at the City Life what that means and what that looks like. And so as we walk through some things that I felt like God was just speaking to us, we're going to talk about that, what that means for us as a follower of Christ, right? So we're going to hone in tonight just on us as individual followers of christ us as individuals in the reality of god's presence in this world and his activity in this world and then hopefully at some point we'll pull out a little bit and what that means for us as a church so that's the plan and that's how we hopefully to get there so tonight um let me ask you this question have you ever been in a situation that's just caused you to ask hey what are the chances that that just happened Like, what are the chances? you ever found yourself in a situation you're just like, what in the world? Like, what are the chances that that could actually happen? What, you know, so I was thinking, I was trying to think of some different situations. I got a lot of them. A lot, I was like, you know what, I probably shouldn't share on the microphone in front of the church, you know. But uh, then I was just thinking one, and I remember one, I was playing golf. How many uh, golf players do we have out here in the crowd, all right? So we just got a couple, all right? And so... I, I remember one time I was playing golf out in Missouri where we lived, and so we were out there, and it was just one of those days where, you know, golf is one of those sports that you just get angry at no matter what. No matter how good you are, you're going to get angry at some point, you know? And, and, and there's just some days where you just ask yourself the entire time, why in the world do I pay, right, to torture myself, you know? And it was one of those days. I mean, it was just like, why did I pay for this? Why do I enjoy this? And then there's always, right, if you play golf, come on, you guys know, right, there's always one hole, you get out there, and you just hit it, and the ball just flies, and it's beautiful. And you're like, oh, that's why I do this, right? And then you come back again the next week, and you're like, why do I do this? And then you sink this awesome putt, right? But you can't ever do them on the same day, right? It's just the way it is, so... That's why we're not the professionals, right? So, but I I remember this one day I was out there and I was playing golf and and it was just one of those days where it's just like the worst day of golf ever. I mean, I could not chip to save my life. I couldn't drive to save my life. I couldn't putt to save my life. And, of course, when you're on having one of those days, you're playing with somebody and it just seems like they're unstoppable. Have you ever noticed that? Like they're just doing exceptionally well in any sport or anything like that, you know? It's just like when you're having a super off day, it just seems like everybody's just killing it, you know? You know, like, you know, ladies maybe, or guys, you know, you're cooking, you're out there, and you're just doing something on the grill, or you're cooking in the kitchen, and everything's burning, and just everything's boiling over, and you're like, then you pull up Instagram, and you see somebody looking like they just cooked this, you know, Martha Stewart meal, or whatever, you're like, why? So anyways, so I was having one of those days, and and I was out there, and then we got off, and it was the ninth hole, we were only playing nine holes, and I was on the ninth hole, and and I remember it was, it was a par five, so it was super long, and I was just frustrated. And it's got a huge dog leg to the right. And so I was like, I'm going to hit this thing as hard as I can. I don't care what happens. I've already lost so many golf balls today. I, I just don't even know. And so I just hit the ball, and it takes off. And I'm like, wow, that thing's soaring. And then as a dog leg turns, a dog leg, if you don't know, it's just a turn in the course. And so as the course turns, I watch the ball just go. And then it starts following the course. And I'm like, ha. <laughs> That is awesome. It looks so beautiful, and it felt so good, and it sounded awesome. I was like, that's so great. But it was me. So it's somewhere I just kept going, right, and it's like in the woods, or somehow I did a U-turn, and it landed behind me or something, right? So so we go, and, and me and my friend, and we go up, and we're walking for a huge distance, and we get up there, and... He hit his ball, and it was a great straight drive right at the edge, and then he hit it right at the green. It was perfect the way that it should have been. And so we're going around. I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, I can't find my golf ball. Like, where is this stupid golf ball at? And we're looking all off in the, you know, the high grass. We're looking in the woods. I mean, we're driving all over the place, and we're just trying to find this thing and running around. We're looking. You know the place I didn't look? In the fairway. I didn't look in the fairway, right? Because I was like, what are the chances that I hit it in the fairway? None, right? There's None. But I kid you not, middle of the fairway, about 340 yards away from the tee. I mean, it was the most beautiful drive I've ever had. It was right there. I was like, what are the chances? We actually walk up. I see it. It was awesome. I'm on the green, right? It's a par five. I'm on the green in two. And I'm like, this is awesome. I ended up with a double bogey. That's just the way life is, right? That's just the way it is. But I was like, what are the chances? What is the chance that it's there? And it actually happened to be there. So there's these moments, these situations we say, man, what is the chance? Or maybe sometimes we can walk into situations and we kind of think about it this way, right? We, more commonly, we kind of live waiting for a chance circumstance to change our situation, you know? Have you ever just been in the car driving or maybe sitting on 64 in the Hampton Roads parking lot, you know, and you're just sitting there and, and your mind starts to wander and you say, what if I won the lottery because you see the billboard right up there right like big jackpot you know 284 million you ever had that thought you know just like what are the chances that I could win that have you ever had that thought come on you might be honest right yeah all right so you know you just sit there and you start thinking about what you would do and you start having all these noble thoughts you know I would pay for my parents house and send them on this awesome vacation you know, I, 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 would, I would bless the church, you know, and I would, you know, all of our campuses would be, you know, debt-free and have our own buildings or whatever, you know, like you just know, start dreaming about that. You start these noble things and all of a sudden you're like, and I would buy a brand new Toyota Tundra, right? And you just start, but you start going through and you just start thinking about all this different stuff. And you're like, what are the chances, what that would look like? And we get into this place where we sit there and we just wonder what it would look like if something were to happen that could change our circumstances and change our situations. Just so you know, here's a couple things that if you were to uh, win the lottery, just so you know, here's some better chances that you would have these things happen instead of winning the lottery. You have a higher chance of being crushed by a meteorite than winning the lottery. You have a a way higher chance of getting audited by the IRS than winning the lottery. You have a higher chance of dying as a left-handed person If you were left-handed, right? So if you're a left-handed person, you have a higher chance of dying from being a left-handed person who misuses right-handed products than you do of winning the lottery. Serious, don't lie. One in seven million people a year, 45 people a year in America die from being left-handed and using a right-handed tool. Isn't that hysterical? You have a better chance of that happening than you have winning the lottery. What are the chances? There are chances. There are things that we look at and say, man, if this happened or if this took place or there's no way that could happen, we got all of these situations because we kind of go through life and we just see our life as it is. We see it just normally going. Every day has got its routines. We wake up around the same time. We get our coffee going around the same time. Maybe you're so routine, you kind of eat the same thing for breakfast every single day. How many of you guys do that? You eat the same thing for breakfast every day. How many of you, like me, you mix it up just so that you can mix it up? All right, good. All right, so there's some of my people in here. So you go through and you got your routine, but it's just kind of just your normal thing, right? And then all of a sudden, you just, every once in a while, your mind can say, well, what's the chance that this could happen? And what's the chance that could take place? You know, sometimes we sit here in church service, and it, we feel like God speaks to us sometimes, and we say, wow, man, I, I just got inspired by that story, or, or, or we have a missionary come in, or, or we share a, you a know, different situation, and your mind can start to wander, and you're like, wow, oh, what are the chances that I could be a part of that? What are the chances that God could use me to do that? What are the chances that I could actually be a part of something like that? And your mind can wander to these places, but then you kind of go back into the routine of who you are and what you do. And, and each day kind of comes and goes, and that's just kind of the way that our life looks, right? And so tonight we're going to look at the story of a woman, and we're going to continue in John chapter 4. And we're going to look at a lady in John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, who had the chance of a lifetime that changed everything. In John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? See, a lot of times we go through our lives and it, things can become routine, and, and things can kind of be the way they are, because we look at our lives and, and we, we find ourselves in these places where we look at our circumstances, we look at the things that have failed in our life, we look at the mistakes that we've made, we look at all this different stuff that's happening in our lives, our choices that we made, the good and the bad. We look at our preferences, we look at all of uh, the different things that makes us us. And we wonder, what are the chances? Like, what are the chances that that I could do this? What are the chances that God could work through me? What are the chances that I could do something that's exceptional? What are the chances that I could do something that could change the world? What do I have to offer? What do I have to give? What can I do? We could find ourselves maybe in this place that we see what we don't have and so we convince ourselves you know hey like if i was able to win the lottery or if i was able to do something like that then if that were to happen then i would be able to be a part of something everything would be different so we wait for this just thing to happen for this chance to kind of take place so that everything could change or everything could be different or maybe we hear a message or listen to a podcast or read a book or or hear a story or something like that and we wonder what are the chances you know that if i do this if i step out i really just feel like god's speaking to me right now and you know what like and Man, starting the Suffolk campus, and I just, you know, all of a sudden, I just feel like God said something to me. And I feel like God told me I need to do this. I need to give a check for $20 for that, you know. And you're just like, I don't know if I should, you know. Or, or maybe you're saying, you know what, you know, I, I really feel like over the past couple weeks, God's really been speaking to me. And just, I really feel like God's been saying, hey, you need to really focus in at your job. And you need to, to do better at telling people about me at your job. Or, or maybe you're just like, you know, I, I need to be more disciplined in my home, and I feel like God's just telling me I need to give more in being a, a spiritual leader in my home. You know, I, I need to do more at raising my kids and, and showing them the goodness of God. I need to do those things. and But, you know, but I, it's hard for me and my spouse to talk about that, and I don't know if if that's going to go well and so you get it you just look at these situations and you look at these things that are happening you're like what are the chances that i hear god speaking to me and i go to do it and then god just hoses me he doesn't come through like what are the chances where i just feel like god's just saying you know what that like you should quit your job and you should go and you should help you know orphans and, and you should go help them to to find homes and do this and, and and he makes a connection happen you're like wow this thing could really happen you're like but I don't know if that could work through me. I don't know if that could take place. I don't know if that could be me. And and like, what are the chances that God's actually going to come through on this? I mean, what if that's just the pizza that I ate last night, and I'm not really thinking straight? And, and so we kind of just look at this stuff, and we kind of just like, man, wh- what's the chance that this could be real? What's the chance that things could be different? I mean, what's the chance that God wants to use me? What's the chance that God really wants to work through me, or wh- what's the chance that God really wants to work through this church? I mean, what's, what's, what's the chance that this church is actually going to do something to make a difference? Or me helping out in the kids area, I, I, I don't have anything to offer. I can't make a difference. Like, what impact is it going to make on a kid's life or some family's life? And so we get in these places, and we're, we're asked all of these things, and we're wondering, like, what's really going to take place? And so tonight, I, I just got this question for you. Because when I was reading this story and, and, and I was looking at this woman's circumstances, and to kind of give a little bit more context, this woman, she's sitting there and she's, she's getting ready to come into this well, and she sees this Jewish man sitting on the well. And, 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 and she, being a Samaritan and being a woman, she goes, This is going to be a volatile situation. Like in their time and in their day and age, like Jews did not mingle with Samaritans and and men did not mingle with women. And so this was like a a volatile situation. And she's like, it's getting ready to be me and him, and I don't know what's going to happen. And and so Jesus starts talking to her and says, I need a cup of water. And she's like, why do you want a cup of water for me? And it's like, almost like she's suspicious of what God's doing. It's almost like she's suspicious of, of, of what God's trying to do in that moment with Jesus. She doesn't even know it's God, right, in this moment. She's like, I, I, what, what's happening? What's taking place in this moment? What are the chances this thing's going to work out good for me? And so the question I have for you tonight is, is, what if I told you that everything you are, so you think about your circumstances, you think about your situations, you look at the things that would, that would be reasons as to why God wouldn't work through you, or why God wouldn't do something through you, or why you don't have something, or why you couldn't be a part of something. Or, or you can look at the reasons as to why you said no to things in the past that you know, or you felt strongly that God called you to do it. And you see all of those things and you say, I just, why, why me? What's the chance that I'm the person that could have done that? What's the chance that God wants to count on me? What's the chance that God wants to believe in me? What's the chance that God wants to use me? What's the chance that it would actually have worked? And so I ask this question for you tonight is, is what if I told you that everything you are, everything that you have is exactly who and what God wants. What if I told you that? Like tonight, right? Who you are right now. All of your failures, all of your successes, everything you have, all of your resources, all of the things that are accredited to your name, all of your influence, all of your lack of influence. What if who you are right now is exactly who God wants? What if you look at your situations and instead of saying, what's the chances that I might fail or what's the chances that God might fail you? What, are you, what if you went through and you said, what are the chances that God has already given you everything that you need? God has given you everything that you need already to bring about something that changes the course of human history. What if I tell you, what if the chances are that God has you right where he wants you right now, because he wants to show up just at the right time, in the right moment, at the right place, and use you to change everything? What are the chances that God has a plan for you, one that is good and one that is full? What are the chances that God wants to do something tonight? He wants to open your eyes to the things that he is doing and wants to do through you and in you. What are the chances that God wants to use you? Father, I just pray in the next minute as we go through and just look at a couple more things. God, that you will open our eyes to your activity. God, just as we looked at last week in your scripture, Lord, that you were focused You are compelled, you are driven to meet us where we are. To come to us, to help us, to see that you are longing and wanting to be in relationship with us. And so Father, tonight, help us as we, in our situations, carrying all of our stuff. God, help us to, tonight, as we walk away, not ask, what are the chances, and walk away. But help us to ask, And to see the positive, to see the things that you want to do. God, that we not look at us, but we look at you and who you are and what you've done. And so, Father, help us right now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So here's the thing, all right? So I said we're going to talk about everything, so I'm just going to tell you this right now, right? God doesn't want something from you, all right? He doesn't want something. So if if you're like, all right, what is he going to ask? What is he going to tell me that I need to do? I just want you to know this, right? God does not want something from you all right you hear me all right say it with me God does not want something from me you know what he wants from you he wants everything from you he doesn't want something he wants everything right and that's part of the that's part of the problem we can find ourselves relating with this woman at the well She's in this situation. She walks up and she sees this Jewish man. She knows the cultural things that are happening. She knows all the stuff that's present. Maybe she's a little bit nervous. Maybe she's a little bit scared. Maybe she's a little bit uncertain as to what's getting ready to happen. But she still continues because it's the middle of the day. She's hot. She needs water for maybe cooking or bathing. Who knows? And she needs water. And so she's like, I've got to do this. So she steps in this situation and she's like, what's getting ready to happen? What's going to be asked of me? What's getting ready to take place? And we can find ourselves in those situations sometimes with God, and we're like, God, what do you want from me? And we know God's answer, right? We know that he doesn't want just something. We know he doesn't want just a trinket. We know he doesn't want just a little like, hey, here's $2 in the offering. Okay, we're good. He doesn't want just like, hey, you attended church. Good job. Way to go. Here's a gold star from Jesus. Like, he wants everything. And we know that. We sense that. And so when we are in God's presence and we're around God, the more that we're around Him, the more nervous we can get because the closer we get to Him, the more we sense and feel that He's getting ready to do something in us and it's going to cost us a lot. And it takes some pressure. It takes some intensity for us to to move forward and to push into it. And so tonight what I just want to do is just look through the story and just I want us to look at it and to see the importance of what's happening, and see that if we do not hold back from God, that he does not hold back from us. That if we're willing to give him everything, because he's already given us everything, that we can find ourselves in a whole new place, in a whole new world. And so tonight, why does God ask everything of us? Why everything? Verse 9, we see this lady talking to Jesus, and she's like, hey, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking a drink of me? And in verse 10, Jesus says this, he said, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I love this, Henry Nowen, he says this, he's one of my favorite authors and he's, he was a, a, a priest, a Catholic priest in the 60s. He says this, he says, what makes us somebody's is not other people's responses to us, but God's eternal love for us. Why does Jesus demand everything of us? Why does he ask everything of us? Because he wants our eyes on him. He doesn't want us distracted by the things in our life or the circumstances in our lives. He doesn't want us distracted by how people have defined us or what's happened in the past and how people look at us because of those things, whether it's good or bad. He doesn't want us looking at ourselves or what we're capable of or what we have to bring to the table. He wants our eyes on him that's what he longs for that's what he hopes for that's what he's looking for from us because if we don't give him everything if we say here's 50% of what I got here's 70% of who I am God uh, here it is we he knows that what's left on the table will un- It's just, it's going to happen. It's going to become our focus. It's going to become what we're interested in. It's going to become what we protect. And we're not going to be willing to open that up to God. And we start to take our eyes off of Him and we put our eyes on our things. And so He wants our eyes on Him. This lady, she's sitting here at this well and He's talking to her. And as He's talking to her, He's saying, you just don't even realize who's in front of you. You don't even realize what's happening. In Isaiah 26, verse 8. It says the path of the right living people, this is the message translation, it says the path of right living people, most translations say the path of righteous people, the way of the righteous, the path of right living people is level, the leveler, I love that right, the leveler evens the road for the right living, we're in no hurry, I love that, man, we're in no hurry. When our eyes are on God, he changes our perspective. When he is our why, when he's our focus, when we give him everything and we say, here it is, I'm not holding anything back, then he goes before us and he helps us and he levels out the road in front of us. He causes us to trust him and to be patient in him that we're not hurry, we're not rushed, we're not making rash decisions. The NLT says it this way, Lord, we show our trust in you by obeying your laws right? We trust God when He's our everything, when we give Him everything, when we hold nothing back, we find ourselves at peace. We find ourselves trusting God. We find ourselves walking this level path that that we're going in in this world and no matter what happens no matter what happens in front of us no matter if our car catches on fire or if our, we lose our job or something tre- just awesome and tremendous and happens and we get this incredible raise it doesn't matter what keeps us focused is is god and what's driving us what's motivating us and what we do is him he levels the path in front of us and those things only become the things that he gives us to resource or to use for his glory or to help his, us to see His activity in our lives. He levels the path in front of us. He keeps us content. I love it. It keeps going on. It says, we're content to linger in the path, signposted with your decisions. Man, I love that, right? That he, when we give him everything, when we don't hold back, we're able just to look to who God is, and we're, we're expecting, we're, we're content, and we're just waiting to see what God wants to do. Waiting to see what he has for us. It goes on, it says this, Who you are and what you've done are all we ever want. Through the night, my soul longs for you. Deep from within me, my spirit reaches out to you. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, you, your real new self, it will not come as you're looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Who you want to be and who God wants you to be, it will not happen as you continue to look at yourself. As you continue to try to figure your stuff out as you hold on to things and say, okay, I'm going to, one day, maybe if God kind of changes our circumstances a little bit, this is what our giving is going to look like, or if He changes our situations a little bit, here's what our serving in the church, or going out into the community serving is going to look like, if He kind of, you know, helps me a little bit, get a little bit more confidence in His Word, and, and know some scripture verses, and memorize some things, maybe if just one night I wake up, and all of a sudden I know all the way, you know, Genesis through Revelations, that I can just quote it, then maybe I'll go out, and I'll start telling people about Jesus, and and so we look at these situations, and we look at this stuff and say, maybe if this happened, or maybe that happened, then I would, but when we're focused on who He is, instead of who we are, if we're focused on what He has done, instead of who we are and what we've done, if we're focused on what He has, instead of focused on what we have, if we begin to look to him instead of looking to us, then we begin to see who he is and what he's done and what he's calling us to do and what he wants to do through us instead of what we're incapable of doing. You guys with me? He wants everything because when we hold on to something, that something becomes our everything. And God wants us to let go of everything, everything, so that we can hold on to the one thing, to him, Jesus. Because when we hold on to him and make him our everything, when our eyes are on him and we're holding nothing back, he levels the path out in front of us. We find ourselves content. We find ourselves saying, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? God, how can I bring you glory? God, how can I step into your goodness? God, how can I tell this person about that? Because you're looking at what he has done, who he is, and what his resources are. Not who you are, not what your resources are, not what your competency level is, not what your Gift sets are, you're looking at who he is. He wants everything from you because he wants your eyes on him. Secondly, he wants your trust to be in him. He wants your trust to be in him. In the, if we go to verse 16 of John chapter 4, he says, Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. She said, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, You're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't married to the man you're living with now, you certainly spoke the truth. Can you imagine that moment? How fun that would be, right? Can you imagine you're just sitting there and he's like, oh, I don't got a husband, you know? And he's like, yeah, you don't because. And you're like, ooh! <laughs> right? There's these moments, you know? Like, I can even think of different moments, you know? Like, there's been giants, just spiritual giants in my life. Pastors or missionaries, you know, it's always the missionaries, man, because they give so much. But I- I'm scared of death that there's certain people, even now, I don't want to be in the room because I just feel like they're so close to God when they're sitting there and they're speaking. They just scan the audience and they look at me, and it's like God's telling them, Here's what Jamie just did last night. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you're just like, Oh, he knows everything. You know, we get a little bit scared, man, in this situation. God didn't reveal to her what he knew about her to bring shame and condemnation. He revealed that he knew everything about her and he could see all of who she was and all of her past and all of her circumstances so that he could extend grace to her and set her free. Man, that is the amazing thing about God is that he wants everything from us so that our eyes are on him. And when our eyes are on him, then we begin to see who he is and what he's done and who he's going to be and what he wants to do through us. And we can begin to trust him. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, it says, see, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory when you step into God's presence and when you find yourself close to the things of God, you feel this pressure and you can feel the sense where God's getting ready to ask everything of you. And you're like, I don't know if I can do it. What are the chances that these things are going to work out? What are the chances I'm going to be able to do he's at what He's asking me to do? What are the chances that God's going to be faithful and He's going to stick through with me? Like what, and you feel yourself in these places. And the pressure comes because the closer we get to him, the more we start seeing, wow, I've got some things I've got to get fixed in my life. I've got some things that I've been holding on to that I need to let go of. I've got some things that I need to trust that God can forgive me in. I need to trust him. And I not just trust him in the sense of yeah, I think he's got it. I need to fully look at it and say, wow, you. I mean, her response, right? You go on and look at her response. Wow, you must be person." A- that your eyes are open you can see like he knows me and he sees all of my stuff and it's not he's not looking at my stuff so that he can say see why you will fail he's looking at me and saying see look i've done everything I've fixed everything that no longer has to define you that no longer has to be your reality that no longer has to be what your ceiling is anymore listen because I was victorious you are victorious and so we can look in this situation that we can trust him that what he's called us to do what he's leading us to do is what we're going to be able to do because he's already done it We give him everything. Our eyes are on him and we can trust him and we can look to him and we see that we are victorious. And he wants you to let go and embrace forgiveness. It's one of the biggest things. It's why we hold on to stuff so much. It's why it's so hard for us in these situations to get into this place where we feel like God's saying, I want more. I want more, right? We sing the song and it feels so good. I want more of you, right? I don't even know what song that is, but you know, there's a song that we say something about like that, right? I'm horrible. You don't want me to be the worship leader, right? We say, I want more. I want more. But we know, right? If we want more of him, it means that he wants more of us. And we've got to get to a place where we can trust that his grace is sufficient, trust that his love covers all things that trust that what jesus did on the cross that it brings victory into our lives that there's no more condemnation that we are now free to live the life that he wants us to live and we've got to get in a place where we can embrace forgiveness that we look at our failures we're not going to forget them we're not going to forget the failures of those that we're close to we're not going to forget the failures of the people that have wounded us the deepest we're not they're going to be there we're going to remember them but that does not mean that they have to keep us where we were. God can help us to remember them, but he can redeem those situations to be the reasons that we go out and show grace and forgiveness to somebody else, to extend grace to others, to help people to find forgiveness in their own lives, in their own situations. He wants to work through you. He wants you to do what he's called you to do, and he wants you to trust him to go where he's calling you to go. He wants you to know and to see that who you are is not defined by your failures and your successes. You're going to see the failures in your life. You're going to see the successes in your life. But you cannot allow those to determine your identity. Your identity has to be determined and set solely in the person of Jesus Christ. He's everything. You trust Him. You look to Him. You hope in Him. I know even this week, and this week, it was a crazy week for me schedule-wise. And there was just a lot of things happening. And I was just a mess running around and doing all kinds of different stuff. And, and I remember I was on my way to a meeting. And, and, and I was supposed to, that morning, I had a you know, schedule and a routine of things that I wanted to do. And, 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 and I didn't get to, to really spend time in God's presence the way that I wanted to. And, and, and I, I just felt messed up about it. I felt bad about it. And and, and there's some things that I was going to do for the family. that I didn't get a chance to do it. And I was just sort of beating myself up. And I was just driving on the way to the meeting. And I was like, God, why do I just keep messing up? Like, why do I keep making these mistakes? And, God, why do I suck so much? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, please just, like, why do you even care? Like, I mean, I just keep messing up. Just go ahead and just take me out now, right? Just, you know, just go ahead. You know, like, that's just what I felt like. And I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just felt like God just said, Listen, are you going to let those things define you, or are you going to let me define you? Are you going to let me show you how I see you and what I see in you and what I see that I can do through you? Or are you going to allow these things to determine your future? See, in those moments, even when I mess up the biggest, I've got to trust that he's still there. I've got to trust that he loves me and that he cares for me. I've got to trust that he still wants to do something through me. And do I need to keep making mistakes? <laughs> no, right? Do I need to just keep saying, it doesn't matter because God doesn't, you know, he doesn't care. He's loving. He's just a good old God, you know? Like, no. No. It makes me say that much more I want to live for him faithfully I want to be that much more committed to living for him I I want to do the right things because I know that when I don't he's still there I can trust him I can see that through Jesus Christ I have victory thirdly he wants your heart he wants everything because he wants your heart in verse 19 she said sir the woman said you must be a prophet so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? while well, we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Here's the situation. So she's, Jesus is leading her on this journey. He keeps pushing her a little bit more, a little bit more, Right? Jesus just keeps asking, right? She's like, I, what's the chances this meeting right now is is, is different? What, what are the chances this is going to work out for my good? Like, what are the chances that I'm going to be okay from this circumstance? And then as he's talking to her, she, her eyes begin to open, her heart begins to open. And she's like, what are the chances that this guy's not just some random person? What are the chances? And then he speaks, and he shows her grace, and he shows her forgiveness. And then her eyes begin to open, and then she just says, oh, but it's about me, it's about what I can do, right? It's about my efforts, it's about my strength, it's about, uh, it's, it's about religion, it's about all the things that we've set up, oh, this is supposed to happen this way, and she throws up another wall. She puts up another thing. And Jesus is saying, listen, I want your heart, Look, I don't want you to be worried about these circumstances. I don't want you to be worried about what these religious people say as far as what you're supposed to do and how this is supposed to happen. I don't want you to think small. I don't want you just to think that, that God's sitting up there just saying, well, one day I'm going to give you a chance. I want you to see and to understand and to know that God right now has sent me so that he can give you everything. You're not gonna be confined to a mountain. You're not gonna be confined to a building. You're not gonna be confined to if you, then. You're not gonna be confined to all of these things. You are being set free. You're being set free to live your life for God. Give me your heart. Don't be worried about stuff. Don't be worried about the how-tos. Don't be worried about your efforts. Don't be worried about those things. Give me your heart. How do we give them our heart? Verse 23, but the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So real quick, flip over to John chapter 7. I have no clue if I'm going to get to the things about the church, but it's all right. John chapter 7. Go to verse 40. John chapter 7, verse 40. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scriptures clearly state that the Messiah will be born of a royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David David was born. So the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted to have him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. You look at this scripture verse and you see that there's these people that they see Jesus and they see the things that he's doing. They see the miraculous things happening. They see all of the stuff taking place, but there's people that are divided. The people that were unwilling to give their hearts over to him. The people that were unwilling to say, he is God. I mean, look at the things he's doing. He's not just a mere man. He's not just some great magician. He's not just a great teacher, but he is God. The people that were unwilling to surrender their hearts, they were unable to see him for the truth of who he was. And so God wants us to give everything because he wants our hearts. He doesn't want us divided. He doesn't want us Focused on other things. He wants us completely focused on who He is and what He has done for us. That's what He wants. That's why He wants everything from us. Lastly, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verses 25 through 26. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. He wants everything from us because He wants our wholehearted belief in Him to be who He said He was and who He came to be. He wants our wholehearted belief that what He said He came to do is what He came to do. And that His victory on the cross, that His death and His resurrection have set us free and have made us right in God's eyes. That when we believe in Him and when we confess Him to be our Lord, that we are now the sons and the daughters of God the creator of the universe he wants our belief in him he wants us to hold on to him to be committed to him to say you are who you said you were you did what you said you came to do and you accomplished what god set you to do That's what he wants. He wants our belief. He wants us to look at him, and he wants us to say, you're not just some man standing there. You're not just some person that's in front of me. You're not just some great teacher, but he wants us to say, I, when he says, I am the Messiah, I am everything that you've been hoping for. I'm everything that you need. I'm everything that you will ever need. When he says it, when he declares that to us, when he opens our eyes to that reality, he wants everything from us he wants our absolute wholehearted devoted belief in him as savior so th- here's the deal is that it gets difficult for us because we know and we can sense that what jesus requires of us is more than we ever thought but we have to see who he is We have to give him everything and be willing to give him everything so that our eyes can be on him. And when our eyes are on him, then we begin to trust him. And when we begin to trust him, we begin to live for him. And when we begin to live for him, we begin to believe in him. And when we believe in him, we just live a life of worship that is dedicated to him. Because he requires more than we ever thought. But he gives more than was ever imaginable. He wants everything from us, because he gave everything to us. What, what does that mean for us as a follower of Christ? What what does that mean for us as a church? I'm, I'm going to go through these real quick. You look through this lady's life and you see what she does. She doesn't stand there. She doesn't begin to contemplate. She doesn't further go into questions. She sees him for who he is. She understands his grace, and she sees his forgiveness and the love in his eyes. It changes everything about her, and her response is worship. She runs into a community that has belittled her, that has betrayed her, that has hurt her, that has ridiculed her. She runs into a community. You've got to come and see. You've got to come and see. She runs into this community and she tells everybody about who he is and she inspires people, this entire community, to come and to see him. We're going to get more into that a little bit next week. But what does that mean for us? We are a church that wants to be expressive in our worship. We wanna be a church that when we come into God's presence, that we don't just allow songs to go by. We don't allow just moments of giving to go by, that we don't allow just moments of, of teaching to go by. We don't just kind of say there was service and there service goes. But we come into it saying, I want to give everything. I wanna, I wanna lift my hands, I wanna lift my voice because of this. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 3 through 4. I wasn't going to read this, but here we go. Joyfully, you will pull up buckets of water from the wells of salvation. As you do it, you will say, give thanks to God. Call out His name. Ask Him anything. Shout to the nations tell them what he's done. Spread the news of his great reputation. When you come into God's presence and you see who he is and you understand and you believe that he's given you everything, what comes from you is a life of worship. What happens is is that you worship. You can't hold it back. You shout out to the nations. You scream and you express he is my God and he is everything that I will ever need and he's given me everything that I could hope for and beyond what I could even dream. He is everything and he's one who's. He's the one I want to give my everything to because that's who Jesus is. We want to be a church that's expressive in our worship. We want to be a church that's growing in our worship, that we get even more creative as we grow as a church and we get more people. And if you're sitting out there and you're a drummer or a keyboardist and you haven't told us yet, shame on you. Get up on the stage because we need you to help us participate and be expressive in singing and lifting our voices about who God, how great our God is and the things that he's done for us. We also want to be an evangelistic church as she goes and she tells people about Jesus because he came and showed her that he is ready to give her everything that God's ever wanted for her and to reveal everything that God has ever been planning to do since the beginning of time. She goes and she tells people about it. If we are a people believing that Jesus came and gave his life for us so that we could know life in him and through him, we should be a people that are telling people about Jesus. If he's our why. If He's our everything, then we should be telling others that He is our everything and that He should be their everything. Because He's either our everything or He's our nothing. And if we believe He's our everything, we should be telling everybody else about it. We want to be a church that participates in the things of God. So we encourage people to serve. We encourage people to attend. Be a part of services. Don't just allow church to be an add-on. Allow what this happens, this moment, to be something that's a regular part of your life where you're coming and seeking and expecting God to move through you, God to do something in you, God to do something for someone else through you. Come expecting. Be a part of things. Attend life groups. Be a part of life groups. Join ministry teams and serve and be a part. Use your gifts in a massive way. Lead other people in the church to discover the things of God. Disciple people. Encourage people. Help people to experience and to see who God is and how good he is. Step into the things of God. Be a participant because he's given us everything. Because he asks everything of us. And when we give him everything, he doesn't hold back from us. He doesn't just sit there and watch us just wonder if he's going to show up. He explodes into our life and gives us even more reason to give him even more. That's who God is and that's what he does in our lives. We're committed to giving. I'm not going to take time to get into this, but we talk about priority percentage giving. If you've never given before. You're like, I, I don't know like, if the Bible's even clear on 10% or not. or We're not telling you to just lock in on anything just quite yet. We'll talk about that at some point if you stick around. But just start doing something. Just start stepping in and saying, you know what, if this is your church home or if you want this to be your church home or if you have a church home and you aren't giving, give. Because either God came and he gave everything to start the church so he could spread the gospel around the globe or he didn't. And if he did, and if he gave everything so that he could help the world to know his plan and to know his love and his grace and his goodness through the church, then it takes each of us saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to give. I want to be committed to those things. I want to do everything that I can so that somebody else can know the goodness of Jesus Christ the way that I know it. We need to also be a part of missions. We need to be regularly a part of sending missionaries, and we need to be regularly a part of going on missions trips. Whether it's local trips, foreign trips, missions should be something that we're committed to. It should be something that we're giving ourselves to. Lastly, planting churches and campuses. You can look at your life and you can look at your situation. And maybe you've been a part of the church for a long time. Maybe you've been participating and showing up to church. Or you've been a follower of Christ for a certain amount of time. And there's been things that you're holding back. There's things that you're leaving on the table. You're not willing to give him everything. And Just some of the things that I just listed. You're saying, I, I have never wanted to jump into that. I'm not willing to give myself in that because I don't trust God. Because I don't know that God could actually use me. Because I'm not sure that things are going to work out. You, you feel like the woman, while you're sitting there, you're like, why is God asking this of me? God is asking this of you. He's asking everything of you, because he knows when you trust him, when your eyes are on him, when you're committed to the things that he has set before you, that you can give everything, because he's already given everything. It's about faith, it's about trust, it's about believing that God is is who he said he is, and that Jesus came to do what he said he came to do. That he accomplished it, that we can not only just say, you know what, maybe this thing has a shot maybe this thing will work out what is the chance but we get to stand in a place and we say if this is what god's called me to do and if this is what god's asking of me i'm going to step into it because i believe that god's going to do everything he said and that he's going to change everything that you're not left in a place of wondering who god is because as you step into the things that god has for you he reveals more of who he is And it just makes you fall that much more in love with Him and that much more willing to say, God, here it is. I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to give. God, here it is. I want to go. God, here it is. I want to do. God, I want to be a part of that because, God, I want to be a part of everything that you're doing in this world. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. You know, we can find ourselves in a place where we can say, hey, God, I know what you're asking of me. God, I'm even hearing tonight that you want everything. You want more than I've been willing to give. You want more of my heart. You want everything. Jesus says in the scripture we're to worship him, to live our lives, heart, mind, body, and soul, everything, all in. Because Jesus was all in for you. He didn't hold anything back. So tonight, if you're a follower of Christ, now I just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes so you can just have a moment alone with God. So you can just have a moment where you can be introspective and you can just look in your own heart and your own life. If you're a follower of Christ, that you, you've made that vow of devotion, you've said, God, I believe in Jesus and I believe that he is life and I believe that he is the Savior that your scripture talks about. And you can at the same time look and see that there's things that you've left on the table. There's things that you've been unwilling to surrender to Him. There's things that you say, I haven't given you everything. I've held back. And God, I've held back because I just don't believe in myself. Or I've held back because I don't believe in you. God, I've held back because I've been unsure. God, I've held back because I've been insecure. God, I've held back because I just see my failures as too big. God, I've held back because there's just just no way that you could forgive me. There's no way that you could love me enough. There's no way that you could trust me enough. God, there's no way that you could work for me. If that's you tonight, then I'm just asking for you in this moment, in this space where you are, say, God, no more am I going to hold anything back. But God, here's everything. And God, when I say everything, I mean everything. I'm willing to do the things that you ask of me. God, I'm not going to hold back anymore. Listen, there's some of you in here tonight, you know what it is that God's asking you to do. You know very clearly. You've been fighting it for years. Stop fighting. Trust. Look to him and believe. Believe that he's sitting right there. Believe that this is a divine moment that God planned in all of eternity to meet with you right now, to sit with you where you are and say, I see you. I see you for who you are. I see you for what you've done. I see you for what you failed to do. I see it all, and I want you to know I love you. I acknowledge you, I see you, and I'm not rejecting you, I'm not condemning you, I want more of you. I want you to surrender it all to me. Give me the bitterness. Give me the rage. Give me the anger. Give me the hurt. Give me the unwillingness. Give me it all right now. Surrender everything and you're not gonna find anything but more of my grace and more of my freedom and more of my spirit to be poured out into you so that you can do everything that I ask you to do. Don't hold back, give him everything. He wants to be your God. Jesus didn't just come so that he could come and say, hey, you know what? I died on the cross, you're forgiven your sins, Here's your free out of hell pass. He came to forgive us of our sins and to be Lord of our lives. So tonight, acknowledge him as God and as Savior and surrender to him as Lord and say, here's everything. What are you asking? Where do you want me to go? Tonight, if you in this room, if you're not a follower of Christ, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not have a personal relationship with him, And you say, man, everything, that's a lot to ask of somebody. What in the world has he done for me? And tonight, I just want you to hear. He's just asking for a drink of water. Maybe you can just step into a place and you say, I don't know who this God is. I can't give him everything right now. Would you just be open to saying, God, here's something I'm willing to trust. I'm going to just tell you this. As you... Are willing to open yourself up to God God is going to reveal himself To you And the more he reveals himself to you He's going to ask something else of you And if you are willing to give that something else to him At each place he's going to reveal more of who he is And you're not going to find yourself in a place Wondering about who God is Doubting God and insecure about God You're going to find yourself walking Sitting Living in the presence of the creator Able to be in relationship with him So Father, I just pray right now that you be with each and every one of us. God, that you help us to be willing to give everything. God, that when you ask everything of us, it's not just because you're a cruel God who wants to see if we're willing. You're not just a cruel God that's up there just saying, well, I'll give you a chance, I'll give you a shot. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. The reason you ask everything of us because you know that you're everything we need. And anything that we hold on to other than you, God, it costs us dearly. So God, help us to be free to give you everything. And God, plant deep in our hearts the desire and the willingness to see you as everything that we need. God, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you guys so much for being such an awesome group tonight. We love you. Be back next week as we talk about obedience. Have a great week. See you.